Welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, you know, we've done these recordings here for like five plus years now. And I'm sitting around thinking the other day about what we could talk about, as I often do in preparation for our episodes. And it had dawned on me that obviously we're both men. Obviously, we both live in America and Pennsylvania and all that fun stuff. But your virtue as a priest, I think that I've taken a lot of things about that for granted in terms of the experience that you have of what that is like compared to all of the rest of us, both professionally and lifestyle-wise and all of that. And I kind of wanted to use this episode to stop taking things for granted and stop making assumptions and try to make some things explicit about, you know, being a priest is obviously different than being a salesman. Um, Some things I think are correlated, but some things are, are also different as well. And I wanted to just go from your perspective, you know, what is it like that most people probably take for granted and don't even really think about. Uh, and uh, what in particular? What is what like in terms of uh, of, of the way that 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 your approach upon life is upon the way that that you know, really your your day to day life is because you know you're dealing with people at in a sense sometimes they're most vulnerable. I mean, you see the entire spectrum of humanity. And most people don't get that. They look at one little prism that their profession takes them to, and that's it. And essentially, we have blinders on to the rest of the human experience, if you will, except for what we're personally engaged in in the moment. And I wanted to engage upon that because your breadth of knowledge by default has to be just so much broader than the average person. Hmm. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Thanks for for bringing that up. Um, uh, uh, l- let me acknowledge, my, it might be easier, probably the, the limits that I have, uh, first of all, because, and I, I think about it in one way like this, uh, some of what I do as a spiritual director is limited to those who are seeking spiritual direction. And uh, to make an analogy with counseling or with therapists, you know, and it was the kind of thing that Freud ran into, you know, I mean, he did, he developed his psychological theory based on the people, the particular issues that people had that he was dealing with. And so he made some generalizations based on a limited population that were not totally accurate, which led to some of the limitations of Freudian psychology, but like a counselor or a a psychologist doesn't generally see people with narcissistic personality disorder because they don't think they have a problem. <laughs> so there's a whole, a whole section that they're not dealing with. And, uh, you know, and as you say, I, I see the range of things. Well, I see some of the, some very broken uh, dimensions of, of uh, people because of partially who I am, uh, Father Boniface, not just as a priest or a monk even, but uh, I tend to have a kind of stability and peacefulness, a, a gentleness and firmness, a, 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 an expression of spiritual fatherhood that I do have the privilege of seeing some uh, very tender places in people. All priests are going to see that to some degree in the confessional. Um, that's coming out in you know a particular form. Uh, it's one thing to say, I did these sins, one, two, three, four, 
uh, it's another thing to say, you know, I'm really struggling with this thing and I have a hard time loving myself and I am afraid of God and I, you know, maybe a, more of the story around that. You can sort of list sins in a not ter- in a less vulnerable way, or you can list sins in a more vulnerable way. Let me say it that way. Um, so I do tend to see the, you know, some of the tender places in people, but it's like, I also see people with a certain amount of, they have to be able to hold it together enough, even to seek me out or to have a spiritual life. Um, so a parish priest might see a wider range than I do, uh, because at some level, everybody's in a parish. Now, the kinds of people that actually take time to speak with the parish priest, let alone really reveal their hearts to the parish priest, are going to be a particular subset of the people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe uh, in general, women are better at uh, talking about emotions, about interiority, about sharing themselves. And probably most parish priests see a lot of uh, women and seeking help. Um, Although, you know, some priests are very gifted at working with men and have formed very successful men's groups and, and have been able to meet men in a, uh, a place that they're really trusted and appreciated and then can help the men to open up a bit more and, and see what's going on in their hearts. And uh, that, that's very beautiful. Um, for myself, uh, I see, of course, I, I, I meet with seminarians, so that's probably the one of the wider spectrums of people that I meet with. And you might say, well, like the kind of person that wants to be a seminarian is probably a fairly narrow subset of the population. Well, actually not. As it turns out, there's a pretty wide range of personalities and personal gifts and and personal stories. There's going to be a certain level of stability, uh, although, you know, there are seminarians who have been abused in different ways or have different traumas that they've worked through or, or struggle with uh, different habitual sins or, you know, I mean, um, there's, there's a fair range there in terms of the, uh, kinds of men that enter seminary and, and a pretty, like I say, a pretty full range of personalities, some who are captain of the football team, others who would never be picked to play on the football team, you know? Mm And, and, uh, so I get a, a wider variety that way because they all have to have spiritual direction. So that's the only place you know, it's sort of like mandated counseling is going to get a wider swath of people, even the narcissistic personality disorder <laughs> that non-mandated spiritual direction wouldn't necessarily get or non-mandated counseling wouldn't necessarily get. And so I do get a little wider range there. Um, and otherwise, you know, the, the kinds of people that meet with me, uh, especially as I've become, I don't know, a little bit uh, better known or developed a little higher level of expertise and things like that. It's sort of a self-selecting population that beginners in the spiritual life are less likely to ask me to help them. So I see them in a certain context, you know, I teach on prayer or I, I teach on different subjects, but I tend to work with the committed Catholics for the most part, and even the more seriously committed Catholics. I'm able to take people who are already kind of moving along in their spiritual journey and help them to make uh, even a lot more progress. So that just tends to be the space I've gravitated to a bit more. Um, as I, when I entered the, the monastery and especially when I was doing campus ministry at St. Vincent and then also at Penn State, uh, I certainly had a, a wider range of people at that point. 
but it was still, you know, the people that talk with the priest are going to be a certain subset of, uh, of the general population. Uh, it, people come to, to talk to the priest a lot of times when they have some needs, uh, when they get serious about their spiritual life and they want to grow, when they, you know, we get a little bit more in terms of like baptisms or marriages because everybody uh, could be doing that. And mm-hmm. so, but I don't do a lot of general marriage preparation. I've celebrated, I don't know, probably 10, maybe 15 weddings in my 18 years as a priest. And they're basically all people that I already knew. So I don't have as much. They're people that came to me for spiritual direction, and I knew very well that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Likewise, I don't do baptismal prep or some of the other sacraments that are a catch-all for anybody who's in the church, which would be a full range. Um, Now, having said that, in terms of the variety of gifts, you know, I for spiritual direction, I meet with uh, CEOs, surgeons. Uh, priests, uh, contemplative nuns, active nuns, seminarians, um, stay-at-home moms, um, a, you know, a fair range of, of people, lawyer, uh, computer programmers, uh, anyway, sort of a variety of people in a variety of jobs and variety of states of life and things like that. Like I said, they're all people who are engaged in the spiritual life, who are serious enough about it to be seeking spiritual direction and serious enough about it to be seeking spiritual direction from me. And uh, so it's a certain limit, but in terms of the variety of people who are doing that, it's all across the map. I mean, anybody can be, uh, you know, I, I delight in, in a couple of the CEOs that I meet with who are, who are running secular companies of, uh, hundreds or thousands of employees, and and they're very serious about their spiritual life, and they live that out in a beautiful way with their uh, with their employees in a totally respectful way, totally appropriate way in terms of religious freedom and equal opportunity employment and all that kind of stuff, but not afraid to witness to their own faith, not afraid to bring up those conversations where they may be appropriate or engage in them, and. Uh, not afraid to you know say that to other peers who are at other companies and things like that. So, so they're pretty fun. You know, I, I really uh, admire that level of engagement in the world, and yet the real commitment to the spiritual life that they have. So, I just threw a lot of stuff at you mm-hmm. with not a lot of organization. So, happy to go in whatever direction <laughs> is interesting to you. That's fair enough. And obviously, having have enough conversations with you, I, I can tell the topics that you get asked regularly, and, and I think that that was not one of them. <laughs> Which is fine. Um, so, I, I, I wanted to start with that because obviously, you see every gamut, uh, you know, across the board here, and. Um, so with the limitations are very good to put there, but still with that being said, it's not like you have to have this level of intelligence or like this point in your life to actually desire to be part of your spiritual direction. Anyone can step up at any point and say, Hey, I would like to become better at this. Um, and then and, and there's obviously internal discussions that get someone to the point of wanting to become better. But there's no, you have to be able to run a four or five forty to be able to make the team. This is, you you have a desire, you want to do this, and we're going to help you do it. So why don't we talk about that starting point that someone would go through that's saying, you know, 
maybe I go to church regularly, maybe I don't, but I've never actually thought about having a consistent conversation with a priest. How does that go through with an individual to get to this point where they ultimately want to grow and do ultimately grow more in the faith and ultimately become a better person? Yeah, well, it's a it's a really interesting question. So, I, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I've thought about it a lot, but I've had to think about it a lot because there there isn't a you know a kind of standard answer to the question. Uh, and I, I teach on uh, what we call thresholds of conversion. I'm I'm stepping back a little bit from your question and then I'm going to lean into your question more directly. But um, Sherry Waddell did some great work in her uh, book, Forming Intentional Disciples, and then a lot of the structure that's been around that and, and that she's developed in, uh, through the Siena Institute. And she identified before people reach the place of intentional discipleship, they tend to go through some phases of uh, just an initial trust, spiritual curiosity, spiritual openness, spiritual seeking, and and through that process of uh, kind of engaging with spirituality, and specifically, of course, we're talking about Christian spirituality, but that's going to be in the midst of, for most people, engaging with spirituality in general. I know for myself, you know, I got into a little Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance, and I got into a little Taoism, and I got into a little, you know, sort of exploring some of these different things. And I think a lot of people are in that space, and especially in our day, uh, even just awakening to a spiritual reality or that there's something more uh, happens. Even, and I'm talking about cradle Catholics who have been going to mass semi-regularly, who are semi-engaged, you know, maybe received all the sacraments of initiation, maybe went to Catholic schools, but don't really have a personal relationship with Jesus. They don't really know him as a person. They wouldn't claim that they did. It's kind of a thing that they do. And then, you know, everything out there looks kind of interesting, little yoga, little Zen, little uh, mindfulness, you know, a little this, little of that, whatever. And and uh, those kinds of things start to percolate. That's when we're, we're talking about that space of spiritual curiosity, um, maybe spiritual openness. And then, you know, as that becomes more, more energetic, more like spiritual seeking, but in to meet people in that space and then start to speak to them about Christianity is what uh, might move them along towards a place of really coming to know Jesus and making an intentional decision to follow him. And Sherry Waddell uses that image from the gospel of the, the disciples drop their nets and followed him. So what will it take you to drop your nets? and follow Jesus, to make a, a clear commitment to a person that you've come to know, not perfectly, not totally, but enough to say, I'm leaving the rest behind. This is my direction. So that's what she calls intentional discipleship. And in traditional spiritual theology, we would call that the beginning of the purgative way. So now is the time that I'm, I'm all in. I'm throwing my lot in with Christianity, and now I need to figure out how to really live this, not just going through the motions, not showing up when it's convenient, not you know just being sort of half committed, but now I'm really committed. What am I committed to? I don't even know what I'm committed to. Now I got to figure out what I'm committed to. Uh, I remember a little of this from third grade, sister so-and-so, and I remember a little of this from 
high school, we had a retreat and some guy said this other thing, you know, it's like people's knowledge of the faith, like how to live it in a serious way. It's all over the place. Uh, but when people have an encounter, uh, an encounter with the living God in Jesus Christ, and that's personal and they know him. And, you know, then it starts to make sense. And all of that stuff that was floating around everywhere, they're able to bring it in and bring it together and, and try to commit to it. Uh, so already at that point, and, and then there's also the intentional, like, oh, now I need to change some stuff in my life because I, I made, I made friends with sin in different ways. And I need to actively work against that. I need to actively develop spiritual habits. I need to actively work on the moral life. I need to actively connect with other Catholics, with other Christians. And so there's some things that start to happen. That's a particular place that people may start to seek spiritual direction when they get serious about it enough to really commit themselves to it. Now, prior to that, people might be interested in talking with the priest. A lot of people are kind of interested in talking with the priest. Like, well, he's, that's a funny thing. You know, he's got like the beard and the habit and all the stuff. Like, wonder what he has to say about this random thing that I thought about last night. You know, uh, a lot of people have that, that sort of engagement, but uh, somebody who wants to have a more committed relationship with a, and, a spiritual director is not necessarily a priest, but um, a committed relationship of spiritual direction. Probably we're talking about that point of intentional discipleship, entering into the purgative way, really being seriously committed and invested in the faith, starting to take up a life of prayer, starting to live the moral life more seriously, making a, a firmer, more explicit commitment to the Christian community, uh, and then there's some desire to have a little personal guidance around that. Uh, it may also be a person who's a little farther down that road, has done all of that, and then has started to run into the limits of what they can figure out on their own, uh, what they can reach on their own, uh, and then starts to seek some spiritual direction to answer things that they can't find through a general search, reading the catechism, talking to their neighbor, the person next to them in the pews, etc. But it's kind of at that level of, of engagement. And so obviously in, in the type of stuff you're discussing there, the mass certainly will help with that, but it's not going to cover all of it. Um, just, just by nature of the, the mass isn't designed to essentially teach us the, the Catholicism uh, of it. So that is something where I think that we get into Problem's not the right word, but it, it, the mass isn't intended for this. And people feel, feel that they weren't fulfilled in this category of learning how to live a better life strictly by just going to mass. And as a modern day Catholic trying to figure out how to, to build parishes stronger, this is a problem that that I'm personally dealing with and trying to come up with a solution to, because everything you just said about needing to, to want to become a better person, that's what gives you essentially a better community, people who want to be vibrant in it. But the way to communicate that is a yes. And, and so many people want to say, you know, I'm already going to mass. Why isn't that enough? So I, I kind of wanted to spend the last couple of minutes of this episode discussing that situation, that tension. No, I, I love that you brought that out, Joe. It's, it's absolutely true. 
and is often missed on, lost on people. Uh, and so I, I love that you brought that out. For, for one thing, the mass is not the place for conversion. The mass is the place where the converted come together. <laughs> and uh, it's, the, it's the culmination of the sacraments of initiation. It, it, it's, not, you know, the, it's not the launching off point, it's the landing point. Uh, and so now it is also a certain kind of launching off point in terms of being the source center and summit of the faith, but, but it's the culmination of initiation. We, we become fully initiated by, by uh, starting to, to go to mass. So it's presuming you've got a lot of stuff going on before that. And it's presuming you've got a lot of stuff going on outside of that, as you were just mentioning. Uh, you're, you're not going to get all the teaching that you need through homilies at mass. It's not the point of the homily. The homily is not a, is not merely a teaching instrument. It, it can serve that purpose. The homily should teach us something, but it's not meant to be a systematic catechetical instruction for the faithful. It's, it's meant to be an inspiration and a, and a little uh, insight that helps you to receive communion more fervently and hopefully energizes you to go and live your faith a little more fully. But um, the, the, Homily is not meant to be the the Catholics' catechetical instruction. So uh, a lot of people would, a lot of people think of it as anyway. I'm going to go off on a tangent. So the uh, you know having other other spaces, uh, Bible studies, different uh, communities to be engaged with, small groups in a parish, uh, going through things like the spiritual gifts inventory or uh, other forms of spiritual formation, like we offer through the Institute for Ministry Formation, uh, reading books, having discussions, being involved in you know Facebook groups. Those are all ways of of intellectual growth in the faith, which is important. We also need opportunities for experiential growth, and that's probably going to be something like a retreat experience, or maybe a a forty hours devotion, um, a time of Eucharistic adoration. Maybe it's a pilgrimage. Maybe it's a service project. Um, but we need some uh, events also, Christian events that are important. And of course, God provides some of those in the cancer diagnosis and the accident that we went into and the business that fell apart and a lot of other, God provides a few of those events along the way to help us out. Um, and then we develop habits of uh, uh, participation as well that, uh, a regular practice of personal prayer that we do in our homes, not just coming to mass once a week, uh, regular gatherings for communal prayer, uh, regular asceticism, way that we die to ourselves, and then also uh, service in terms of works of mercy and those kinds of practices. So uh, a lot of ways that we have to keep growing in faith. There's a way to tailor that to ourselves personally and that's where personal accompaniment is very helpful with a spiritual director, a spiritual companion, somebody that I can tell my share my story with and who can provide some uh, guidance as well is uh, really helpful in growing in that whole process. And not to make it about me, but in my thought process, I think that I'm doing this in the preparation that we have for each one of our episodes. It's I, I consciously am thinking about a, you know, the, the faith and, and what are we going to talk about? Because we want to have a, a good conversation, obviously. And it's also one of these things where I don't know how it's going to end. 
because I don't know what your response is ever going to be. Um, and that's why we have many episodes that start with Joe, you were wrong. <laughs> and, you know, I think that, that that's an important thing too, is, is, is none of us need to know the ending. You know, it, it's, it's the step of seeing, will this help? And will it's not, you know, it, it's not as black and white as if I keep walking around a track, eventually I'm going to lose weight and have better stamina. We know that will happen, but we don't necessarily know the fruits of how living a more charitable life is, applying the virtues to our life. It will make your life better, but it's not necessarily definable the same way it is as other exercises of our lives. So that was the final thought I had for this episode. Certainly we we will have much more conversations coming up in the future. We thank everyone for listening. Please, as always, click like and subscribe and share us with someone who you think could benefit from conversations that we have. So we thank you very much and we'll be with you next week.